This is a HeadGum Podcast. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite Clear Liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Rach. Lady, this one's this, this this is a this is a real documentary. It's like the cream of the crop. The creme of the cremes. The creme. No, it's so that. I don't think that's right. It's and it sounds weird. <laughs> I um I don't like that. That sounds like you've had too much dairy. Somehow we get sidetracked in sex parties that has nothing to do with it has nothing to do with it. But we do a deep dive. But I'm sure Michael J. Fox was probably invited to something like that at some point in his career. Yes, we don't touch sure. on it at all in the documentary, no. full disclosure. But Michael, if you're listening, please call in. <laughs> please call in. Please call in. Even though we, we don't have a call in line. We don't have we'll, a phone. If you, but if you want to call in to us, Michael, we yeah. will get one. Slide into our DMs. Slide into our DMs because I know Michael J. Fox is just dying <laughs> to slide into our DMs. Cannot wait to DM us. But it, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Please yeah. watch it. Yes, let's Please get right listen to, to it. us. Oof, it's so good. Here we go. Okay, here we go. Ladies and jerks, welcome to Still Michael J. Fox. Hello, Rachel. Oh, hello, Cheryl Ruth Hines. I mean, there's a listen. There's a lot happening. Uh-huh. There's a lot there's happening a lot. in the world. In the world. Um, yes, but we're going to remind everybody that this is a comedy podcast. This is a comedy podcast, and regardless of the world falling apart around us, we are going to just take an hour or so to. Just lighten the load. Just give us a brief breath. Although this documentary is <laughs> also, it's a... Uh, I think it's very life-affirming. Yes, life-affirming. I think that's good. Mm-hmm. How are you? What's happening? Anything happening that we should know about? I'm good. Well, you know, I actually can say that this weekend mm-hmm. I'm going to a fan conference. Mm-hmm. In Chicago, mm. where I get to meet a lot of fans of things that I've worked on in the past. No, oh, things that can't mention. That we can't mention. And what happens at those fan conferences? What are they? Are, the well, pe- are people dressed up and they come up and what, get their picture mm-hmm. with you? And Yeah. Well, there's a lot of key parties. 
and a lot. <laughs> you mean a key of, party where everybody puts their keys in a bowl and then whoever mm-hmm. you pick, that's who you go home with. Yeah. I got, mm-hmm. That's what There's I, a lot of it. That's, that's usually think. it. Like pretty much, you know, like in the morning you'll meet and you have coffee and donuts and then you might talk about things that you've worked on in the past and then pretty – Pretty soon after that, you're dumping your keys in a big bowl. Mm-hmm. By the way, do people even do that? Do people really do that? I don't that? know. Can I tell you something? Uh, this is total gossip. I wish you would. Okay, this is total gossip. Okay, tell me, tell me, tell me. But I heard, this was a long time ago, but I heard that there was like a party like that in Malibu where people were sort of anonymous, but like sexy key party. Okay, can I just tell you yeah, tell that me. I know for a fact <gasps> I've done a podcast with somebody other, who was there. Not even. Could I just tell you? Yeah. You sound exactly like Kat when she was three. And she'd be like, it's heavy. When she would have um, to hold something. Yeah. It's heavy. Heavy. But let me just tell you. I was on a podcast with someone. Okay. You don't want to um, you don't he, mention their name. Oh, I can I can mention it. Okay. It was on Bad Dates. Okay. Rob Cohen's podcast. Okay. It's so funny. It's called Bad Dates. And you guys should check that out for sure. But on it, the episode that I'm on. I can't remember the name of the guy that I'm on the show with, but he's very funny and he's a stand-up. And he actively goes to – and he, I mean, mm-hmm. he talked about it in the podcast. He actively goes to sex parties. Sex parties? How do you even get invited to a sex party? Well, I think you have to look for it, like in your neighborhood is what he said. Because we, we were all – I was fascinated by it. Yeah, I'm fascinated by it. Yeah, and they, you go to a house yeah. and like – you can walk in and obviously, I mean, well, duh. You duh. First things first. You walk into you a walk house. You walk in the door. Okay. Right. You walk into the house. But then you must have a, have to have a code word or something. I pretty much think if you're, if you're walking in there. You know. You've been invited. Okay. You know. Okay. You walk into but a house. But maybe, maybe there's like a special thing. You know, you right. can't just have like. Like a special handshake. Yeah. <laughs> and we're like, oh, you didn't put your pinky out. Uh, you, you're not allowed Ew. in. Ew. Ew. Okay, go It'd ahead. Be like, where's that hand been? Okay, so you go in and then you can go into different rooms. Okay. Like different themes. Oh. And some people yeah. are engaging yes. in sexual activities. Of course. And some people are just standing back watching. So okay. And then you can be approached and you can say, hey, you want to get down or whatever. <laughs> and somebody might say, that was so gross. I'm going to regret hey, saying that. Hey, do you want to get down? Especially the way that you I said really it. You really belong at a sex party. Hey, would you like to get down, sir? Hey, would you like to get down? <laughs> <laughs> no, but that it was so weird because he seemed like just just matter normal of fact. guy. Ah, just and, like and he and his girlfriend yeah do it like to go to these sex parties together. Did he say what he does there? Is he a watcher um, or is he a doer? I think he participates in all things. <laughs> oh my god, mm-hmm. is what he said. I don't want to speak for him, but no. I believe that he was like you know. I would do, you know, stuff. And we, you would, sometimes you watch or whatever. He was very open. Yeah. Well, about I'm it. sure, you know, people got that go to these parties must be open because. I mean, Cheryl, I think you would do so well. I would at a be sex party. so comfortable. I would, <laughs> that I would really feel at home there. Well, I mean, that's truly, it'd be like your worst nightmare. It's like a never nude at a, at a sex party. That would be a tough one. Where it's like, I'm just going to stand here in my cloak. And I don't even think you watch. could go in. I think you'd walk in and then you'd be like, well, I will say this. One time. When, oh. Oh. One time when I lived. Here we go. Our rated. Our I'm rated. So excited. Rachel Here we go. We're getting her back rated. up to. No, I'm getting, trying to get you to be R rated. Oh. We know this. Okay. Okay. But, well, but. back in my younger days, when I lived in West Hollywood, 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 Hollywood. 
It really came out Holly weird, and I hate it mm-hmm. when people say that. But I lived in West Hollywood, and I went to this bar, and somebody said, oh, you have to walk to, into the back room. And I said, okay, I'll walk into the back room. What do I care? And I walked back there, and it was like the sp- spanking room. Like there was <laughs> – Wait, a spanking room? Like where, where yeah. people bare-bottomed? Yes. And so if <laughs> <laughs> people were spanking other people – and the craziest part is that I met a cute attorney there, a cute straight attorney. Was it predominantly a, a gay spanking party? I didn't get that vibe, but okay. But also, I was in that community so much that it, I didn't really. Was this like Paul and Eddie days, like yes. way back? Yes. Yeah, it was probably predominantly gay, which made it even more extraordinary that I was there and I met like the one. The one straight guy, although he told me he was straight. But now that I'm saying this story, what are the odds that he was straight at the gay bar watching spanking? (laughs) Yeah, I don't think they're good. I think Cheryl, I think think this falls under. I love right now that you're having that aha right this moment. Maybe he wasn't. But he was real cute. We did go out, but it it didn't stick. (laughs) Really? No pun intended. If you will. But he did. He was cute. And he said, uh, I remember him saying, I'm going to pick you up, but wear comfortable shoes because my car doesn't always start. And we might have to that's, push it <laughs> to get hot. it to start. That's hot. And I said, oh, is that a joke? And he said, no, it's not. I was like, no, right? What kind of attorney are you? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, it was not. I think this is all. I think this guy was just full of shit the entire time. Because honestly, like I'm at a spanking party in West Hollywood (laughs) and you happen to meet the one straight man there. (laughs) Straight guy. And then when he tells you he's going to pick you up, he's an attorney. He's an attorney. And he says, I'm going to, I'm going to pick you up. But by the way, wear comfortable shoes because sometimes my car doesn't start. Yeah. And you have to. Yeah. And you have to push it. Push it until it's... To get it going. To get it going and then jump in the car. (laughs) That sounds like some redneck stuff that we did in Ohio with like every car. Yeah, it doesn't usually happen in Los Angeles. You know what I mean? No. Not a lot of people are like pushing their car to get it going. Which tells me that he probably... Yeah, no. I guess if you meet somebody in a back room, (laughs) spanking room, Uh they probably think, okay, if I go out with this person... Certain things are going to happen. <laughs> right. We're going to do more spanking. And by the way, now it's very clear to me why this didn't really take off. Because I thought, cool, I met the, a straight attorney. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to have a fun Mm-mm. story to tell our kids. <laughs> How did we get on sex on parties? Because parties? we said what happened? podcasts. <laughs> I brought up that guy at a sex party. Okay, yeah. Okay, anyway. Well, what was the first thing that you told me? I couldn't me? tell you. I couldn't tell you. You came out. <laughs> I can't even tell you, guys- you how this started. And this documentary has nothing to do. Absolutely nothing with- to do. With- we don't need to waste any more time. No. Rachel, let's get right to it. Because you and I are both never going to go to a sex party. End of story. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. No. I don't think that. But I would. I'm fascinated. Well, we're fascinated. Maybe we can find, find a documentary on... Sex, sex parties. parties. That where you can stand. Okay, Thomas, you've got some but marching by the way, orders. Yeah. Guess who's here? Frank, the guy, the attorney that you met at the spanking party. <laughs> hey, Frank, come on out. 20 years ago. Frank, come on out. Oh, what is he doing these 
these days? I would love to know. Mm-hmm. Rachel? Yes? Today? Yes. We are talking about... <sighs> still, a Michael mm-hmm. J. Fox movie. It's a 2023 documentary film directed by Davis Guggenheim, whose previous yeah. credits include An Inconvenient Truth and Waiting for Superman. I mean, Davis is no joke. I mean, I just wish that he was accomplished. <laughs> it chronicles the life and career of actor and activist Michael J. Fox, including his rise to stardom through roles in Family Ties and Back to the Future, mm-hmm. as well as his diagnosis with Parkinson's. The film premiered at Sundance and is available to watch on Apple TV+. Plus. Yeah. I mean, imagine I being mean, in Sundance watching this. I can't. Cheryl, I told you, I texted you last night. Yeah, no, I texted you first. I texted you first. I know, I know, you did. You texted me first and you said, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And you said it's intense. Yeah. And then I was like, I'm going to watch it after the boys go to sleep. And then I turned it on and I thought, I'm just going to get it ready so that once I wash my face and I get ready for bed, I'm going to... I turned it on and I sat in the same position for an entire like one hour, 40 minutes and I didn't move. Nope. I didn't move. I didn't get up to do anything. I didn't go to the bath. I didn't no. drink any water. I just was like... You didn't want to miss this was one such a, second. No, it was such... I mean, just the subject matter and then the way that it was shot, everything. Oh, everything. And Rachel... It was perfect. I just... We need to play the clip of the very first word that's said in this documentary. Okay. okay. Stand by. Get ready. Because right. this makes I'm total ready. sense. Yep. Florida, 1990. Boom. <laughs> Done. Anything that starts Boom. with Florida. Rachel, they're speaking yeah. our language. I know. Did I tell you that all documentaries somehow have a Florida connection? I don't know why. Yes, we did. We've talked about it. And it's the first word out <laughs> of the gate. The gate. Is and it's Florida. Florida. Yeah. And I was I not so, expecting. You could have knocked me over with a feather. Also, I looked at that building, and at first, my first thought was Florida, and then I thought, "Is that where he lives?" I know that's what I thought. You know, like I was confused, and then I realized, "Oh no, this is a scene in a film." And then I loved. I was like, "Oh, this is the convention that they're going to use. They're going to keep going back and forth between his real life and footage, and then acting out what's happened in his life with scenes." It was amazing. It was kind of a that's, meta, right? Because oh. they're telling this story. And he's done so much work in so many films and so many TV shows that Davis, the filmmaker, was just like t- taking all of those moments. Mm-hmm. And and so the whole film, the production of the whole film was just outstanding, right? Because you're starting <sighs> because they would he would go in and out of clips of really well-made films, films. and shows and then yeah. go back to Michael J. Fox. And then that was also equally as riveting and beautiful yeah. and, oh, man. It was it um, was it was everything. I just kept thinking, I mean, we have to talk about it. Yeah. But we're just talking <laughs> about it as a whole. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's just like, holy, you forget that there were three channels back then. I you know. You had ABC, ABC, CBS, and NBC, NBC. and everybody – was watching Family family Ties. ties. Did you love Michael J. Fox? Uh, Oh my God. I was like, yes, I think I'm going to marry that guy for sure. Yes. 
you wanted to marry Alex P. Keaton. Isn't that amazing that he also, the first time he was on stage when they were filming his the first scene of the pilot, that he improvised. His line was supposed to be, yes, this is Alex Keaton. And he said he improvised the P. Right. So he said, hello, this is Alex P. Keaton. And he got his first big laugh and he was like, all right, I'm in. Yeah. That was Because they so weren't great. sure. They were. Brandon Tartikoff was like, this guy isn't going to be on the side of a lunchbox. I'm getting ahead of myself because I'm very you excited. You really are. You really <sighs> are. Oh. <laughs> oh, come on. Thomas. I know. Thomas. Thomas. He's telling us we I have think to this... take a break. This is oh, ridiculous. Oh, my gosh. Rachel, this is ridiculous. I mean, why did we spend time on the sex club? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. We can cut the sex stuff down. <laughs> you won't. This is the problem the sex with club Thomas. Stuff. He's we can not going to cut it. This is the problem. I love it. I love it. He's shaking his head like, no. Nope. No. Okay. Okay. We are going to take a break, and we're going to come back and really dive into Michael J. Box. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Okay, so in 1990, Michael J. Fox woke up with a quote, ferocious hangover, with a quote-unquote. Quote, he unquote, thought yes. he was having a ferocious hangover. And the night before, he'd party with his buddy, Woody Harrelson, who I love and adore. I know. I've worked with Woody several times. Um, I just had to throw that in. To Name just... dropping it, we know you're famous. I'm famous and I have famous brands. Um, but he noticed that his pinky finger was trembling uncontrollably. Yeah. And he'd later come to understand that the trembling was a message from the future. Yeah. I Interesting. Mean, Back to the future. It's like he knew. It was like a premonition where he was like, this is something's deadly wrong. Because he couldn't control what was happening with his finger. And he felt like it wasn't connected to his body. He he yeah. knew something was wrong. And his career yes. was on fire at this point. Yeah. But he was really scared and mm -hmm. and it's interesting because this documentary goes back and forth back and forth to, like mm -hmm. to today michael j fox of today yeah and how he's getting through life and you know what his day looks like and then yeah we'll go back and walk you through like the chronological order of how things <laughs> unfolded yeah Ooh, woo, yeah. girl and it was it was crazy going back and looking at how he grew up in Alberta, Canada. Uh, what I love is that they talked about how little he was. I know. And as a woman, you really, like, I'm so, like, I'm very, I'm short. Yes. And yet, but as a guy, how much that affected him. That's kind of And they be kept hard. showing all those pictures of him in school, standing next to yeah. people that are the same age of him, but he looks like he's five years younger yes. than everybody. He was and so, so it kind so of 
small. Yeah, it kind of gave him something to have to to work through and to overcome. Yes, to overcome. Yeah. And he said that the drama club, I loved the line where he said, I got to be anything in the drama club. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I didn't have to be short. He's like, did it make you feel 10 feet tall? Yeah. I think the guy that was, and he said, oh, it made me feel like I could do anything. Yes. And then Davis, the um, filmmaker, said, oh, Mm -hmm. did you play Rumpelstiltskin (laughs) in the play? And he said, yes. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, he Mm -hmm. says he was a cute elf. Mm -hmm. Um, I love that. And he he was all excited because he got to be with all the girls. Yeah. He's like, that's where all the girls were. Yeah. So he he really found his his place, but what was I just thought it was so interesting. I didn't. There were so many things I didn't know about him. But he Michael was not a great student. He struggled yeah. in class. C's, he had D's. bad grades. He started smoking and drinking. And when they said when he said he was a serial fender bender, and then showed yeah. pictures of the cars, it's like those were not. Bender benders. Those were serious accidents. I'm like, was that, were those actually his That's what I was wondering Or was it too. stock footage? Well, this is what's Did fascinating. Did they just use that to like tell the story? Great. Here is what is fascinating when we watch All right. some what's of these. fascinating? I'll tell you. Okay. When we right. watch Thank documentaries you. about people, mm-hmm. it is fascinating the footage that they have all the pictures from when they were kids. Tig and I used to always say, okay, I don't think there's one picture of me from uh, the time I was four to the time I was 21. There is no picture of me. So Michael yeah. J. Fox, when he was 16, his teacher said that there was a casting call for a 12-year-old kid. And his teacher said, no, you have an advantage because – yeah. You're 16, but you'd be able to play a 12-year-old, and he- And kill it. And and he did, and he killed it. Yeah. And then he decided, Michael J. Fox decided he wanted to go to L.A. Mm-hmm. And that was bold, and drop out of I know. high school. I know, and his dad let him, that, and drove him. That was so sweet. I don't know that my parents would be like, all right, hop in the car. I don't know. I mean, I did have a thing where I was living in New York, and I was working in every restaurant, and I made no money, and I remember- an agent saying, I'm opening an agency in Los Angeles. Would you be interested? And then calling my parents. And they were so, they said, please go. Oh. They're like, please leave New York. We support you. We'll help you. That's and that was sweet. amazing. Because wow. I thought they were going to say, you got to give this up. Oh. Because nothing's happening for you in New York. Like absolutely nothing. Well, that's very sweet. I'm just like Michael J. Fox. No. You really aren't. But I mean, I can relate to it. because. <laughs> Well, here's this is something that I think is interesting. Okay, I mean, I think it's interesting. I could be wrong. But when I worked at Universal Studios in Florida, there was a guy Mm -hmm. that used to live in the same apartment building as Michael J. Fox. And he was friends with, with, I mean, are we always going to call him Michael J. Fox? I guess. No, we call Michael. 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 With Michael. Or Mikey. Nope. Please, Rachel. Oh, not, I just like no. that you just said nope. Nope. He called himself Mikey. He's like, he don't said, put Mikey in a corner. Okay, that's not that's not for you. Okay, but we're not going to call him Mikey. You. We're going to call him Michael. Okay. Okay. Um, How dare you tell me what's nothing? He All right, good. Lived in the same building as Michael, and he mm-hmm. said that he that Michael did not have a phone, and there was a payphone outside of their apartment building, and he mm-hmm. would just hang out in front of the payphone because that was the the phone number that he would give people to be able to reach him. That's cr- he, so he, he crazy and fun. Sit out there all day and you know answer the phone. It's like wow, that I, I found it so yeah. fascinating. 
Yeah, it says I love he, that. He says he got his, an apartment in the slums of Beverly Hills. But I was also thinking, are there slums in Beverly Hills? Well, back then. Oh, back then? You know what I mean? Like when I he came know. out in the 80s, he would have been like early 80s, right? And then if he was living, you know, down near Beverwill and Olympic or something like that, Beverwill. you know what I mean? I like how specific <laughs> I know. It you know why? Because be I lived on Olympic in Beverwill. Oh. But it was cute because uh, Michael said that he lived in a, what is it, a studio apartment. And there was one sink. Mm-hmm. One sink. And he would wash his dishes in that dishes sink. Dishes in the shower. And also in the shower. Mm-hmm. That was foul. That was. I know. Uh-huh. But I I had a studio apartment like that oh. where I had a tiny. Is this in, in <laughs> this New York? entire podcast. I'm just like. I did the same. I did the same. I did, but, that's what, but I think that's actually what we felt like, Cheryl, when we saw him struggling. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you and I both lived in just the shittiest apartments. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That we shared with people that we that were not great. They were terrible. I mean, yeah. like the one that I lived in, I remember a friend came over that was in the Groundlings with me. And we were writing in my studio apartment. And he said, Rachel, the entire ceiling of your shower is so moldy. Like, Ew. That should be condemned. And I was like, he's like, doesn't your landlord take care of that? And I was like, I don't know. When I first moved to LA, I lived with these two other guys. And they were part of a... um, uh, I cannot wait. (laughs) I can't wait what you're going to say. They would sing like quartet music. Uh, and they would uh-huh. be like, Cheryl, can you just sit in this chair while we do our... Stop it. Was it acapella group? Yes. And I would Ugh, sit there okay. and they'd... I love acapella groups, I'm just saying. And they, would, and they would sing and they'd show me their... Um, but I don't. Routine I don't and I'd be sitting there in my bathrobe and they're like, you're the girl, the most beautiful girl. And then they'd say, can you stand up and do twirl around? I'm like, oh, guys, you're killing me. All right. Mm-hmm. And then one of them taught voice lessons. So I had a lot of Oklahoma and <laughs> Oklahoma coming at me at eight in the morning. Anyway, Rachel. Oklahoma where the wind comes sleeping. Okay. Oh, I've sung it all. Here we go. What? Okay, oh. so apartment. You had a little apartment. Okay. Let's go. I'm always fascinated at yes. roles that actors didn't get. Yes. Ugh. Ugh. Isn't that crazy? And are you talking about Back to the Future? Where no, I was I was talking about Ordinary People. Oh yeah, he, and that's one of your favorite movies. It is, Rachel. I know. I mean, I love it no, as well. But beyond. isn't it fascinating that he's? But I mean, isn't it fascinating that he said Robert Redford didn't like his audition very much and was flossing his teeth, flossing his teeth during the audition. During his audition, that also we've seen it. Yeah, we've had all those. Things oh happened to us. I remember I, I was auditioning for a um, SeaWorld commercial in Florida. Yeah. And I had a call back. I was feeling really good about it. And um, yeah. And they paired me up with this guy who was clearly high as a kite. And um, we were supposed to be watching the the show. And there was the guy, the, I don't know if he was a casting director, but he was just running the camera. But he was eating. <laughs> he was eating a sandwich. Uh-huh. And he say. He'd say, look over here, the dolphins are jumping, the dolphins are jumping, okay, look over there, you see some whales, you see some whales, and and the two of us are just <laughs> <laughs> laughing so hard. No, I, I took oh. it very seriously. Oh, okay, like, okay, okay, oh, okay. whales. But, you know, this guy mm-hmm. could not give two shitballs. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Have you had some of those? Oh, yeah. Well, I've had ones where all I had to do was, I can't remember, it was for like Toys R Us or something like that. And I don't know if you remember, Jeffrey was the giraffe that was like the the, the mascot big. or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And all the audition was, was that you stand on one side of the room, you walk in, you catch the, you see Jeffrey and you go, hi, Jeffrey. And you walk out. <laughs> that was the audition. And you know what? You did not get it. I did not get it. No. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. So it's not, it's already bad enough having to audition. Yeah. But then when you were Ugh. auditioning for Robert Redford and he's flossing his teeth. Yeah, that's tough. That that would be soul crushing. That'd be like, wow. So when he was 22, mm-hmm. he was dead broke. But he still had a chip in a chair. chair. Which is a poker term. I loved term. that. Oh, I love that. You guys. As long as you have a chip in a chair, you're not out. That's right. One chip. And yep. uh, he tested for family ties because that's what mm-hmm. you do. I mean, at least you used to. I don't know if people still do it. But as an actor, you have a series of auditions. And then yeah. if it's a network show, you have to test for it. And it is a lot of pressure. You have to have your deal done. Yeah, you have to sign a contract looking at what you could make what you if could you make get this job. If you get this mm-hmm. job. And there are also at least two or three other people that are testing at the same time as you who could also yeah. be making six mm-hmm. figures if they got that job. Their life would be different. Yeah. And then you go yeah. into the studio and, and all the network people are there. The studio people are there. Everybody's just eyeballing you. Yeah. It's high pressure. It's insane pressure um but he killed it and he, he got it. it and he got it yeah and, got and it. then they said they still weren't sure he said he still had to shoot the pilot and that they could replace him yeah and which is the scariest thing in the world when you first get that job you're so excited and you shoot the pilot and then you're like <gasps> people do get replaced all the it, time all the time <gasps> happens all the time it's horrible it's it's just it's a tough business when his agent was telling him that he got that job he was right by a pioneer chicken and he was as he was talking to him, he said he wished that he had the dollar ninety nine to buy the chicken wings. <laughs> that he didn't even have a dollar ninety nine to buy the chicken wings. Yeah, which I can completely relate to. When I auditioned, totally relate to when I auditioned for um, Curb, I was running late, and mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh no, I'm not going to be able to find a parking spot." And I just parked somewhere where I shouldn't have parked because I was like, "If I get it." I'll be able to pay this parking ticket and it'll yeah. be worth it. Yeah. And I did. Hey, y'all. Hey, but y'all. usually I would say if I get it, uh, this I'll be able to pay mm-hmm. this parking ticket and I wouldn't get it and my car would get booted. <laughs> you can't move your car for six weeks because you don't have enough money to get, take the boot off. Yeah. So, but, so, so then oh, – Oh. Rachel. <laughs> Let's take a break. I know. I know. I was just going to say I used to say to the, my dog, I'd say this can mean a doggy door. As I'd leave, I'd always be like, let's hope we can get a doggy door, like for the dog. <laughs> that was your dream if you got that job, you were going to get a doggy door? <laughs> it meant that I could get a house that was big enough to have a doggy door, and then he could go out into a yard. <laughs> Priorities, people. Um, Rachel. Priorities. We have so much to get through, and we have I know. To, it's we have ridiculous. To take a okay, we have to take a break. And then we're really, when we come back, we're going to friggin' get ready. We'll be right back. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. 
Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. And we're back. Uh, okay, and we're back. so here's what's interesting. So so now, now Michael J. Fox is like a huge hit on Family Ties. Like, people mm-hmm. cannot get enough of him. And then he finds out that, okay, now we're back to the future. Do you want to talk about back to the future? Oh, well, that's amazing because what happens with back to the future is that he he's doing family ties. He's crushing it. Everybody loves him. Brandon Tartikoff was saying before he hired him that he wouldn't – he goes, he's not the type of guy that would be on a lunchbox. And once the show took off and he was so popular – he then came on a lunchbox and um, sent it to <laughs> Brandon Tartikoff and said, hugs and kisses, love Michael J. Fox, which I loved. But he, at that time, he was offered an independent film, I think, or like a smaller low-budget film, right? Uh, yeah. Teen Werewolf. Mm-hmm. And he said he was shooting that film when they were on hiatus or like while they were shooting Family Ties. And he and he was like, uh, they're shooting this big-budget film down the street. And he said, and Crispin Glover's shooting it. And I'm so bummed because I want to be, why aren't, you know, I wish I was on that big budget film. And so then he gets a call from the showrunner of his show to come in and have a meeting. And he says, hey, listen, I have something I have to tell you. I have to confess. When they first sent me, I was sent this film from Steven Spielberg. And uh, at the time, I didn't give it to you, which is weird that they didn't give it to like his agents. Isn't that weird that they didn't give it to his agents or managers? Well, I guess. I like mean, they just gave it to. Yeah, because he, he couldn't do it. He was under contract doing this this TV show. So they were like, don't right. even, and he said, don't even look like, at I didn't it. Even get, right. But I feel like that's. That's not okay. That's No. And so, but at any rate, so the showrunner made the decision. There's no way he's going to be able to do it to get out to do this film. And then they came back to him. They came back and said, listen, Eric Stoltz is playing this part, but we don't think it's working out. And we're willing to reshoot everything with Michael J. Fox. And so he tells him this. And the next thing he knows, he's shooting Family Ties during the day at 9.30 in the morning until he wraps and then going and shooting Back to the Future in the evening and does that for three months, I guess. And it's insane. It's insane. That but, is ugh. crazy. But he, and he was only, what, 20 or something? Oh, no, how old was he? 22. So he must have been around 22, 23. Yeah. Which is crazy 
Crazy. And then I just want to say one thing about lunchboxes. <laughs> yes. But it Please. just reminded me of uh, when we were shooting a, a show. I won't say what show it was. <laughs> okay. But David Schwimmer was on the show that I was on. And uh-huh. okay. And we were talking and uh, and I was asking him about f- friends. And I was like, what was that like? Because... You know, he had said that that they had a lot of them had done different pilots before different shows, but nothing was really mm-hmm. catching on. And he said that, and then David said, the next thing I know, Friends is a huge hit, and we're on the cover, we're on like people's lunch boxes. <laughs> but it just uh-huh. it just reminded me of that moment because I because I thought, oh, is that like every network's dream is to get their show on lunch boxes? <laughs> I think back then that was like another form of social media. You know what I mean? It's I like guess so. Like you've made you it if you're on somebody's well, yeah, lunchbox. Because, because if you see if one kid in the school has that lunchbox, right. right? Yeah. Then that's like I want that lunchbox, and then that merch is the merch. That merch is going to sell so fast. Yeah, it's interesting. But even you know when I was talking to David, he he said, yeah, they were working so hard on the show. Mm-hmm. You know how it is when you're working. You're just going to the set every day. You work whatever yeah. twelve hour days. You go home. You sleep. You go to the set. You go home. You sleep. And you don't yeah. even. He said they didn't even realize how huge the huge, show was. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So okay. So Michael J. Fox, and then so. In this documentary, it cuts back to Michael J. Fox talking. And yeah. it's really hard. You know, it's hard to... Um, yes, you're absolutely right. Because you see how in control he is and how what a wonderful actor he is and how funny he is and how how quick and fast he is with his wit. And then you cut to him present day and you see how the Parkinson's has really advanced. Yeah. He seems like such an amazing person. Even when he's talking about it, he's t- talking about his face one day and he said, yeah, I fell and I crushed the bones in my face. So mm-hmm. now I have pins in my face and that's just part of my life now. He said that's just part of Parkinson's. <sighs> yeah. He's like, you just fall. Yeah. And he's never a victim ever. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. He never once is like, poor me. No, no. His his Not attitude one time. and his, his spirit and who he is is really and he's and he's very candid cuz he says he even <laughs> he even said, you know, I at some point Davis Guggenheim asked him cuz Michael had said, yeah, I was at that point I was partying, I was pretty mm-hmm. full of myself. Mm-hmm. I was doing whatever I wanted and Yeah, I was kind of being a dick. Yeah, and he said, yeah, I was I was a dick. <laughs> yeah he was arrogant you know he like he got caught up with all of that fame yeah right? yeah you could see like they did a cut where he was with the showrunner with uh well and also with Justine Bateman and and Meredith Baxter yeah you could see he was saying something he was like you know now that I think about it we shouldn't even do this part right over here you know we've all been in situations where there's an actor that's like having a moment and yeah. they're having a hard time and you can see Justine Bateman's eyes go wide like Oh boy. boy. Here we go again. Here we go again. Yeah, boy. But what's great is that he, like you said, he was very candid yeah. about like, I was really full of myself. Yeah. And he was talking about what happens when you get fame so young. Yeah. And how you handle it. Yeah. And then enters Tracy. Tracy Pollan. So yeah. Tracy Pollan is an actress and she was a young actress at the time and she was cast on Family Ties mm-hmm. as his love interest. 
And the next thing mm-hmm. you know, they fall in love. It's kind of great though too because he describes her. He's like, I was just like a funny guy going for laughs. And she was like this serious actress. It's trained. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she was like, I don't know why they cast me. You know, but they wanted somebody different. Yeah. Than Michael, and, which is kind of. And she didn't like put up with his bullshit. He, she no. called him out on it, and he—that's when he fell in love with her. Yeah, and then and then they were cast together in a movie, and then they really fell in love. And the next thing you know, Rachel, they're married and have a baby, and have a baby a month after she got pregnant. A month after they got married, that's since she was twenty. She was twenty yes. when she got pregnant with that baby. Twenty. Oh come on! I mean, that's insane. They were twenty. Well, she was. Oh boy, she was. She was. Tw- I know, but I can't. I mean, Mm-mm. I. I can't. Wow. Rachel. Wow. I mean, come on. Come on. I'm eighty with a, with two children <laughs> under seven, and you still feel like I'm not ready. <laughs> oh, never ready. Always never ready. Underprepared, uh, and also like I have no fucking idea what I'm doing. <laughs> Um, What's happening? In 1990, he was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Mm-hmm. And he was in his late Ooh. 20s. He was in his late 20s. That's yeah. so crazy. And he just had a hard time. Couldn't believe it was happening. Yeah, so he didn't tell yeah. anybody. No, he Did was you get the feeling denial. that he didn't tell Tracy also? Or did Tracy know? I couldn't get that. No, I didn't get that feeling that he didn't tell Tracy. Okay. I mean, that's interesting. That would have been a great thing to hear her talk about. You know, like living in that situation knowing that he had Parkinson's. Because he was saying he wanted to just keep working. He wanted to be on location, on films. And um, because then people didn't know that he had Parkinson's and he could act Mm -hmm. like he didn't. And if if people didn't know that he had it, then he felt like he didn't have it. Wasn't it fascinating how he said if he just kept his left hand – busy that would like sort of work on the tremors in his arms and his hand and then they cut back to every all of these scenes where he has something in his hand yeah and it's always moving and it's always moving and he always and you're like we watched all those films I know it never took us out of it we were never like because when they announced it when he was on Spin City it felt like oh it just happened yeah and so he was (sighs) he was drinking heavily and he said he he woke up one morning with a really bad hangover, and Tracy asked him, is this what you want? Is this who you want to be? who you want to be? Mm-hmm. And um, he decided to get sober. Yeah. Oof. And he's been sober for 30 years. That's amazing. I mean, he, it's he's fucking amazing. Yeah. And then he decided to, to return to television so he could have, so he could be with his family, he could have better yeah. hours. He was, at, you know, <laughs> in LA with his family, and he did Spin City, yeah. and he was shooting S- Spin City, and his Parkinson's was yeah, getting was, um, more was progressing. Was progressing, and he would yeah. have to take pills all the time, and yeah. he was trying to time them to kick in in just the right moments, like right before a big scene. I mean, it all sounds so stressful and unbelievably stressful. And also, I think for him getting sober during that period, he did say something that I, I loved because he was like, once he decided, right, that he was going to, that he could no longer run from this mm-hmm. or that it was exhausting him, mm-hmm. he said that he said, you know, it was time to tell the world that I had this disease. And he said, because, you know, you're only as sick as your secrets. Mm-hmm. And that's a big 
um, program thing. You know, mm. it's a big program phrase that I say that everybody that's in program says all the time. You know, it's like you're only as sick as your secrets. And yeah. it's, oof, it's so freeing. It yeah. was like great to see him have to stop running. Yeah. God, just that image that they kept showing of him running down that blank hallway. Like just, we've all been there, right? Where you're just like running and running and running as fast as you can to get away from something that's bothering you. Yeah. That you don't want to face. Yeah. And Ooh. then and then at the same time, they would cut back to him now mm-hmm. and just, you know, watching him really struggle to walk. In his physical therapy. Yeah. And, and you're just, oh, oh Cheryl. come on, the therapist. I mean, the, I mean, I mean, come on. Come on, this Cheryl. guy, Rachel. The, the so guy. kind. I know, so, I know. Like, you just were like, oh, my God, this guy is so amazing. The physical therapist. Who's- and then how about the physical therapist? The very One of the very first scenes after they say Florida and they show all that, they show him walking with that physical therapist, right? Yeah. And they show him walking downstairs and you're like, oh my God. And he's just walking so fast. He walks out onto like Central Park West or I don't know where someone, somewhere in New York. He's walking and walking and walking. They see a nurse and he says, hello, whatever. And, and she says, nice to meet you. And then he falls. Mm-hmm. And he loses his shoe mm-hmm. and she picks him, she helps him stand up and he says, nice to meet you or whatever. And then he goes, it was so nice to meet you. And, he, and then he just goes, you knocked me off my feet. Yeah. Like it was like so funny. I know. And, that, and that's how the film starts. Yeah. And you're like, oh Whoa. my God. What am I in for? He's a genius that's like even yeah. just joking in that moment yeah. to make Someone else her feel comfortable. Feel yeah. Um, so yeah. So he. So Michael J. Fox came out and told people, and it was you know a big story. And he was still shooting yeah. Spin City. Yeah. And then at some point he stopped. Well, I think what happened was that his that it got to the point where he couldn't keep up that it, he couldn't keep up. Yeah. He couldn't. He couldn't do it. And then Rach. Yeah. At some point, Michael J. Fox mm-hmm. was on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yes, he certainly was. Would you like to hear a clip of that? I would. I would love okay. it. Okay, stand by. It was hilarious. Can I, can I get you a soda or somewhere? Oh, sure. That'd be great. Oh, thanks. Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Did you shake that up on purpose? Parkinson's. <laughs> I mean, what's amazing about Larry is mm-hmm. he's not afraid to... If somebody yeah. wants to be a part of, you know, making fun or being in on the joke, because um, uh-huh. Larry likes to make fun of everybody and everything, and yeah. including himself, and he reached out to Michael J. Fox and asked him, like, do you want to be on the show? And part of the storyline will be that, you know, yeah, you have Parkinson's. And and so Michael J. Fox did the show. And yeah, so that clip where <laughs> – because it – Listen, people don't like Larry on Curb Your Enthusiasm in the show. He gets in fights with everybody. So he's at Michael's house and he has a big problem with Larry. And so that he, but that he's like, then he blames, blames it on, on Parkinson, yeah, which is the yeah. joke. And it's so when he opens up this, the soda pop. Yeah. Did I just say soda pop? You did. Oh my God. Hello, 1922. 40s. Yes. Um, they called and went their reference back. But anyway, so even Michael J. Fox doing Curb was just. Mm-hmm. Telling the world, look, I know. Yeah. I get it. It's crazy. And it's happening. And I'm part of it. And I can make fun. I can. So yeah. 
I mean, if you haven't seen, let's just say, if you haven't seen this documentary, you should see it. Don't you think you, oh, you should see it? Oh, my God. Michael J. Fox testified to Congress alongside of Muhammad Ali, and he founded the Fox Foundation and helped raise nearly $2 billion for Parkinson's. <laughs> $2 billion. Yeah. So that was, that's kind of the story in a nutshell. Yeah. It's time for Happily Ever After Thoughts, where we give our final thoughts on this week's documentary. Yeah. Did you cry? I did. You did? I did. When did you cry? I I did right at the very beginning mm. when he fell. <sighs> and then he got up and he said, hey, you knocked me off my feet. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, wow. Yeah. There are a couple times, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Like when he cries about his dad passing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That killed me. Did you cry? I did not. I mean, I was moved. I was moved yeah. beyond, but I didn't actually cry. But your eyes didn't well up? You know what? When he was asked how to describe his wife, Tracy, yeah, and Michael like took this, you could see in his eyes like everything he was thinking, and then he said, clarity. I was like, whoa. <laughs> that was really beautiful but I didn't cry mm-hmm. Rachel who were you attracted to who wasn't I attracted I to is the better question everybody in that friggin film they're all really beautiful I think I was really I think you and I are probably attracted to the same person you want to say it together on the count of yes. three yes yes but remember you don't take a beat okay okay so we go one, one so we're gonna do it like this like pretend yes. we go like this we go one two, two three, three da 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 yeah okay, okay ready, ready? You do it. You count it down. One, two, three. The therapist. Physical therapist. Oh, that's right. I mean, although my and Michael J. Fox is like adorable. Well, that's obvious. That's the obvious choice. Okay. (sighs) Rachel, that's all for this week's episode. Next week, we'll be talking about Big Vape, The Rise and Fall of Jewel on Netflix. Rach, before we go, should we read some true fan mail? Oh, I would love to. Uh, oh no, <laughs> we've got some. Oh, no. We've got some fan mail about our Judy Bloom Forever episode. Oh boy! Okay, sure. here we go. I'm sure we do. I, okay, this is from Jennifer. Okay, I want to thank you for your review of the Judy Bloom documentary, which was so moving to me. My mother bought me a set of Judy Bloom books when I was around ten to twelve years old. I read them all many times. Here's my PG thirteen moment. I did read then again maybe I won't and was very confused I didn't understand exactly why the male character feared being called up to the front of the class at certain times (laughs) when he had an erection in class that's in parentheses Um, I understood the gist but not really the full experience I guess here's my big confession I wrote Judy a fan letter as a child though it paled in comparison to the one she described. I'm guessing that I just told her she was wonderful and really got kids my age, etc. I got, in return, a form letter. I think it's great that Judy took the time to write to the kids who really needed to hear from her. I was pretty happy with my mailing. <laughs> oh, that's it. She was happy with the form letter. Sorry, I'm reading this. With yeah. I was pretty yeah. happy with my mailing. Thanks again for keeping the show going and keeping Monday mornings cheerful. Okay, so so Rach, what Jennifer's saying? Yes. <laughs> she, I was reading it wrong. I thought. Yes. She, okay. 
Judy didn't personally go back to every single yeah, like, letter. She's like, but it didn't make her mad. She was happy with her mail. Because she got Even if it was just a form, a form letter. letter. Right. But we don't need to, but nobody needs to think that she was writing every kid. Every single Because that is what I took back. To her. That's what I got from it. I know. Okay. That's what we thought Thank too. Thank you, and Jennifer. That's what, that's what they wanted us to think. Well, we're not falling All for right. it. Jennifer knows. <laughs> no. Now we know the truth. Thank you, Jennifer. Truth teller. This is from Kim. Hi, Kim. Hey, Kim. Hey. Hi, Kim. Love Judy Bloom forever and loving the chemistry with Cheryl and Rachel. Keep the laughs coming. I read and learned from Judy Bloom books as a kid. And yeah, it was like contraband, even though the schools <laughs> didn't treat it as such. Now... I'm a parent with teen boys, and I recommend they watch a Netflix show called Sex Education. Its messages oh. are delivered with real modern situations and models healthy forms of communication. Oh, I've heard about I've heard about uh, sex education. I started watching it. I remember what a happened? while ago. I don't. I think I just. Uh, I think my you children- were like I, I know all this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> Cheryl. <laughs> I just was like, don't school me. Don't school. I know. I. I, I've, I've done it. I seen it. Listen, it. I wrote. Listen, it. I was active sexually late in life, so and the guy so fell I exactly the guy first guy I was with fell asleep. Okay, I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't. Let's not even. You guys, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at truestoryfanmail at gmail and we might just read your little email on air because we, we on the love air. you guys. On the air. Even though we're not on like airways. on the air. We're on we're the like, air. We're in the we're air. On the, we're in the we're air. In, <laughs> we're, we're in on your, your computer. Ear. We're or the in your phone, earballs. On your phone. Wow. Yeah. Um, we love reading your messages, comments, reviews. Hopefully they're <laughs> good ones. Keep letting us know what you think about the docs and leave us a review. And we might just read your response on the show. Rach, do you have anything to promote? No, and you know what? When when this comes out, it would have all will have already happened. Just the the fan convention that's coming out. Okay, well, uh, that I'm going to this week. I hope everybody had a good time that went to it. Um, I'm sure they did. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they did, Rachel. I'm sure the key party was successful. So successful. And did you um? Do you have anything to talk about? Any updates on Heinz and Young? Well, you know, I love I love my Heinz and Young. So if mm-hmm. you go to shop Heinz Young. You can see all of our beautiful products that will help you relax and get through life in one piece and mm-hmm. peace of mind. All right, Rach, that's going to do it. Thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll call you tonight. We'll call you tonight. True Story is hosted by me, Cheryl Hines, and Rachel Harris. It's produced by Thomas Roulette, audio engineered and edited by Thomas Roulette, with production assistance from Nadia Labetz. Special thanks to Gabby Kovacic, Patrick McDonald, and Stephanie Allen. Follow us on social media for updates and review and rate True Story wherever you get your podcasts. You can email us at truestoryfanmail at gmail.com. That was a HeadGum Podcast.